0: Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us. Live. Welcome, everybody. Um, for those of you who were here last night, welcome back. For those who are here for the first time, um, we're excited to see you. It's, uh, it's such a joy to have these gatherings, have these spaces and to know like um, how the Lord is going to move and the encouragement that is going to come tonight. Um, I also just give you prompts to you young parents who are here with your kids and, and dragging babies around and those are it's hard to do that it's a lot of work and um, I think the Lord will bless you in those things um, Tonight we're going to kind of continue into part two of what we started last night and we'll do, we'll kind of back up a little bit and and fill in the gaps of what we talked about as a bigger picture. Um, And then after a a teaching time, we're going to shorten it tonight so we can have more time of of ministry. Um, But we're going to practice and the whole desire and the reason we're here is to have a conversation around what does the prophetic look like in 2023 in the church? What's the purpose of it? How does it function? Um, why does Paul give instructions to the church that he gives? How should we take those instructions? How do we learn from that? How do we implement that? How do we be faithful to God's word, which is always the desire um, of, of what we're after? And uh, I'm, I'm Jimmy, by the way. This is David. Um, and we're going to uh, to jump in. But when we get to the time of ministry, um, where we're going to practice prophesying, and that's... that's uh, David has this unbelievable gift of, of the prophetic. And, and, um, but it's not just a point for David to prophesy over people, but we want to invite others to do that and to empower you to use the gifts that, that the Lord has put in you and placed on your heart. And so uh, we'll, we'll bring this up again, but essentially the, the flow of what we're going to do after we teach is uh, the Lord will begin to highlight people and we'll invite those people to be spoken over. But then we're going to ask all of us to kind of go into a time of silence and ask the Lord, what do you have to say to this person, and and then uh, as the Lord begins to speak to you all, um, David or myself will will invite you to to raise your hand and, and to come up and and speak, and, and David will do a beautiful job like he did last night of kind of coaching you through that. So, if, if your heart begins to burn in that way, or or you see an image, or you see a word, trust that that's part of what tonight's about. This is a safe place where we can we can try things, and, and uh, we can make mistakes, we can see the Lord move in, in amazing ways, and that, and that's what we want to do, is, is to have you guys come alive in that gift, and to see that gift come alive in, in the church, whether you're here at Washington or, or some other place. So that's kind of the format of, of tonight, and how things are going to go. Um, David has, uh, he's written three books, and those books are in the back. Um, they're also on Amazon as well, and you're welcome to that. Um, and uh that's a great resource and and you can connect with him on, on how to do that probably venmo you have yeah venmo they're, they're or, 15
1: bucks i got venmo paypal all, that all kind those of things stuff. so um and, hey real quick mm-hmm. i usually give one of these away but um i i actually felt the lord want this book to go to you two in the back um uh what's your name madison Madison, and george george um I saw, I saw you two uh, standing in front of the Grim Reaper, and the Grim Reaper was, uh, it was like he was breathing fire on you, and at first you were trembling, um, but I saw Jesus stand beside you and strengthen you, um, and he actually took the Grim Reaper's sickle and put it into your hand and taught you how to intimidate the Grim Reaper, and I saw the Grim Reaper running from you guys. Okay, So I I believe that uh, uh, whatever you're facing right now, um, it's an intimidation, it's a lie, and the Lord's actually going to turn the tables on that situation, um, and there's actually going to be the very weapon that the enemy uses against you, you're actually going to use to behead your enemy. Mm -hmm. Amen?
0: (laughs) One never knows (laughs) where prophecy's going to start, or (laughs) might as well keep going early. How it's going to go, yeah. Um, so what I want to do is I want to start by sharing a story of actually how David and I met each other. And uh, we were having, at dinner last night, and we were kind of reminiscing about this. And it was in, in during the time of COVID, actually, 2020. And uh, I had just gotten back from a conference that really changed my world and changed my perspective and my understanding of God. And I'd never been a part of something like that before. Um, and, the, and the conference focused on, on healing and impartation. And I... I, again, I, I saw people, you know, have, be filled with the Spirit of God. I saw, saw hundreds of people every night be healed and it really messed with my brain because I didn't really have a capacity for that. And I think if you run into the average believer and you ask them, hey, do you believe that God still heals people? They'll say yes. But when it actually comes down to do you think it actually happens in your church or do you actually think the Lord can use you? Usually what I found is No. In that answer and even though we see in the text that that's clearly a thing that's that's still happening and, and the lord said you're supposed to go out and do these things and he as far as i know he didn't change those marching orders and so i came back from that conference and there was a, a pastor friend that i had known and we'd been talking about getting together for a long time and it just never happened and we would met each other through a, a group of pastors that get together on a monthly basis and um And worship and and encourage one another. And finally, you know, during COVID, things shifted and time opened up, and so I drove out to see him. And I arrived at his house, and uh, it was very much in a space where I was still trying to make sense of what I had experienced. I was trying to figure out, what do I do with this now, Lord? What does this look like? Um, And I walked into his home, and and I was just talking to him, and I was like, man, we've been talking about getting together for two years. And and he's like, yeah. And I was like, man, I don't know why we haven't been able to get together all this time. And he looks at me and he goes, because you weren't ready yet. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fair enough. You're probably right. And so we had this great interaction. It was super encouraging. He spoke life into me. As I was walking out the door of his living room, we met at his house. There was a book sitting on the shelf. And I don't know how to explain this, but like, mm-hmm. I was drawn to it. Like The like, like Holy Spirit was like take that with you, and I don't know about you, but I'm not in the habit of stealing books from people's houses. And so I looked at him and I was like, hey man, tell me about that book over there. And, uh, and he's like, I was gonna give that to you, but I didn't know if you were ready for it yet. I was like, give me that book. I, I want that book. So I take the book and uh, I start reading it, and I've never read anything like it before. And mind you, I've been to Bible college, I've been to seminary, I've been doing ministry for, I don't know how many years at that point, 12, 15 years of ministry. And I'm reading through this book, and I, I literally can't put it down. I just am eating it, and it's just walking through this text that I've never seen in a certain way. And, and the Holy Spirit's just showing me new things and new insights. And um, at the same time, there was a, a gathering of people during COVID, which, which was rare, And uh, on Saturday nights. And it was teaching on the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit put it in my heart. You need to go there. You need to go there. And, uh, and things would come up or I'd come up with excuses or, you know, Saturday nights, I'm usually here working on my sermon, getting ready for Sunday mornings. And I'm getting to the end of this book that I'm reading and I'm thinking to myself, um, man, I wonder if this guy's written in any other books or I wonder if um, he has talks on, you know, YouTube or podcasts or whatever. And so I Googled his name and his name came up with these two local pastors that are friends of mine in Toledo. And it turns out that the guy who wrote the book was the guy who was teaching the class in downtown Toledo that the Lord was telling me I should go to. And so I was like, all right, I guess I better get to this class. Um, And and so um, I actually reached. I couldn't go again, but this author was was, uh, silly enough to put his contact information in the back of the book. So I reached out to him (laughs) and I was like, hey, can we get together? And... uh, because I figured he's, he's in Toledo, night after night, there's no way he's, he's driving in, or, or there's no way that they're flying him in. Um, and and uh, he's like, he writes back right away, I mean, within an hour. He's like, yeah, let's, let's have lunch. And so, um, reached out, walked into, uh, gosh, where do we go? Cracker Barrel or someplace like that. Yeah, I think it was Cracker Barrel. You're from West Virginia, I guess that's That's what a, we do. Yeah, Virginia. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and, uh, and I meet David. And we sit down at the table and, and I had a mentor that was a pretty intense um, man of God and I, I, have the, I, I am who I am because of, of him. And one of the things he taught me was you don't just um, submit yourself to anybody as far as teaching goes. You know, you vet them and they need to be somebody who's humble. They need to be somebody who's grounded in the scriptures. They need to be somebody who's teachable. And, and so my lunch was actually me testing this guy to see if I could trust him. And to see you know I'd read the book and the, the book was amazing and this teaching and, and I was trying to find a way to get there and I, I kept throwing things at him and he kept answering with humility with teachableness with knowing you know sound understanding of God's Word and I was like well I got no, no excuses so I finally made my way down to uh, down to this coffee shop at 6 o'clock on a Saturday night not an ideal time for a pastor who works on Saturday nights to go to anything and we go and i I went and uh, and we had you know music worship just like we did tonight, and then David got up to teach and and it was it was insight, so I was like, oh, this is interesting and building off of some of what was in the book and then he then he says, "Hey, we're going to do ministry time." and I was like, "I don't even know what that means what's ministry time?" And he begins to call people up and prophesy over them and speak life into them and I'd never seen anything like that before um, and i while I was at that That uh, seminar out west, um, the healing seminar, um, I remember a distinct time where they invited people to get impartation, to have hands laid on on you. And people, they said, you know, if you want to do that, kind of move out of your seats and form uh, an aisle. We're going to come around and lay hands on people and pray for them. And my college roommate is the one who invited me to come out and he actually paid for me to come. And, and, uh, and And I'm still in a place where I'm like, is this real? Is this not real? And and he, I look over, and my college roommate's gone. He ran up to get prayed for. And I was like, well, I guess I'm on my own. So I'm standing here in the seats, and I basically say, Lord, if, if, uh, if you want me to get prayed for, then, then you're a big God, and, and people can come find me, you know, kind of stubborn like that. <laughs> Again, still skeptical, and still, I mean, I think this is like day two of the, of the conference. Um, and sure enough, somebody comes over and lays hands on me. At the same time, I, I, was, I was like, man, I'm not going to the ground. I see people going to the ground. I'm standing my, I'm standing my guard, locking my legs. I'm not being pushed over by anybody. And I felt the, presence, the powerful presence of God, but I fought against it. And at some point during the conference, the Lord spoke to me and said, are you content with where you are or do you want more of me? I was like, oh, all right. What do you say to that? You know? And after coming home and reflecting, I, I said to the Lord, I said, I will never again stop you if you want to touch me in some way. And and I didn't know what that meant, um, but I said that. And so fast forward, read the book, met David, we had lunch. Uh, I go finally get there on a Saturday night. He teaches, his ministry time. And you would later tell me that that was not a normal night. Um, that was one of those nights that There are nights that are like, man, it's great. The Lord's moving. There's nights where it's like, holy smokes, the Holy Spirit is here in a profound and powerful way. All I remember—that's
1: called hunting pastor night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All I remember is that. uh, All I remember is David was going around and you know he prophesied over people and he began to to go around just lay hands on people and pray for them. All I remember is him walking towards me. That's all I remember. Next thing I know, I'm on the
1: ground, out. And I'd never had that experience before. He describes it as just being out, but he was actually laying there like this. Like he got plugged into an electric, I, like an electric, like a... Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. All I remember is I couldn't move, I couldn't open my eyes, and something profound and powerful was happening to me that I'd never experienced before. And, I, and I, again, I was like, I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to let the Lord do what the Lord wants to do. I think it was 20 plus minutes later, I, I managed to like scrape myself off the ground. It's now 10 o'clock at night and I still have to go work on a sermon. And my wife's probably like, where are you? It's four hours have gone by. We started at 6, it's now 10 o'clock at night. I stand up and I cannot walk a straight line. I can't. I cannot walk a straight line. And um, the presence of God was so on me. And my pastor friend who was hosting David, um, who, was, who was the pastor of the church, he's like, he's like, hey man, why don't you sit down with me for a minute before you get into a car and try and drive? And I was like, I think you're right, that's a good idea. So Bill is his name, and I, said, I sat with Bill, and I, you know, it's like, you're still trying to process what you've experienced. And about 20 minutes later, I was like, I gotta, I gotta go, and I think I can drive. And he's like and Bill's literally like okay walk a straight line and I was like okay and then put me through a DUI test basically and I'd had nothing but water to drink leading up to this point and uh, I got my car I drove home my wife's like where have you been I was like I don't have time to explain it all she knew where I was but she, she was like what takes five hours um, grab the dog we come back to the church building I'm like I got a get through this because I need to go home and and sleep before I got to preach the next morning. I go into the sanctuary, that's my normal custom that I do, sit down and begin to pray before, come before the Lord, pray through the service, pray through the the message, pray for the people of Washington. And all of a sudden the presence of God comes back and I am back down on my back (laughs) in an empty sanctuary with my dog. It's me and the dog and the Holy Spirit and another 30 minutes goes by and it is now like 11.45 at night. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that was it. So that was my experience of meeting David. Um, and thankfully that didn't happen in, in Cracker Barrel. That would have been more, more embarrassing. Although I, I do have back,
1: some Cracker Barrels. Looking
0: back, I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, but, I, but I started to go back. As many Saturday nights as I could, and I started to bring people with me from Washington Church that were open and willing and, and I knew wouldn 't run out kicking and screaming um, and their lives were profoundly changed, and now many of them are are key leadership people at our church, because um, they were prophesied over the, the holy they were filled with the spirit of God, um, they began to speak in tongues and, and other just manifestations, and they began to seek God and the gifts of god and and that's led us on a journey as a church as a whole for several years now. Um, and, and then I guess after that, um, David and I began to meet every, every month. We'd have lunch together because I, I had all these questions and he w- would happily come alongside and answer those questions. And, and then we got a gathering of people together at, uh, at Brian Jordan's house because there are things that were happening and I didn't know what to do about them. And David's like, hey, get those people together who are open to the movement of God and I'll teach you about these things. And we came to Brian's house because I was too afraid to invite him to the church building because um, I didn't want to lose my job, to be honest. And, uh, and so we, we met at Brian's house because Brian, Brian and Carrie were willing to host people, and, and uh, we had about 17 people that night. And, and uh, that was another five-hour gathering uh, with this guy, and it, just, and it was just beautiful. Praying over people, prophesying over people, the Spirit of God moving in such profound ways, and, and literally it felt like 45 minutes. Um, and at one point I remember that uh, probably about two hours in, I, um, I looked over and David was just sitting in the chair on the side because he, he was just taking it in while everybody else was moving in the spirit. He was just watching things flow and it was an amazing night. And then we did it again here in the chapel um, and then we've, we've, you've come back several times. You helped me teach a, a class on spiritual gifts and that was a wild time, um, watching people speak in tongues we had 60 a group of 65 people in this chapel and we were on the session we're on prophecy and speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and I told the church I was like hey if it's in the bible we're talking about it nothing's off the table and we got to the end of the night and we we let I left tongues for last on the third class because I didn't want people to run out and not come back (laughs) And I, I thought to myself in my heart, I was like, man, so what we did in that class is we taught from the scriptures, and then we invited people, hey, if, if you feel a stirring in your heart to receive this gift, we want to we lay hands on you, and we want to pray that the Spirit of God would come and impart that gift to you, because uh, we believe that the gifts are real, and the gifts are available to us. And, uh, and by that time, it was, it was like three and a half hours in, and, and you know I wouldn't blame anybody for, for leaving, because that's a long time to get together and, and to meet and we, again, we left, now comes the time to do uh, uh, tongues. And I was thinking to myself, if five people get up, I will be elated. Like, I'll be so excited if just five people, because David said, hey, if, if, if this, Lord's put it on your heart and you want this, come forward. And we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. Um, that you would receive that gift and begin to speak in tongues. And out of the 65 people that were here, 60 people got up and came. And it, w- it literally was like Acts 2 in this space that night. And it brought tears to my eyes, I remember. Because as a pastor, I can tell you, you strive and strive and strive and preach and preach and preach and come up with ideas and you just want to see people grow. But man, you can do that your entire life and see a couple people change and transform. But four hours in the presence of God will change a room for, for the rest of their lives. And that's what, I, that's what we're learning. That when the Lord's behind something in a profound and powerful way, and you're willing to, to open yourself up to the extent where you allow the Spirit of God to move, the Spirit of God doesn't leave you the same way that you came. And so that, that's the desire, is that tonight the Spirit of God would not leave you, is not going to leave you in the same condition that you came in. So that, that's how we met each other, and we've, we've stayed connected ever since, and, and now we have mutual friends in other states, and David's traveled to those places, and and prophesied and and just um, lives have been changed in in various different places and and it's just a joy to continue to have that relationship and we're blessed to have him come back to Washington and and to really fulfill what the Lord put on your heart um, in obedience about dreams you've had and and to lead you to these places so I want you to know um, you know for you who are Washington folk we don't just let anybody come in and talk um, we're very serious about um, making sure that, that they are pre-screened and, and of the Lord. And, and so um, it's not a random thing that, that David's here tonight, and, and, nor that you're here tonight um, as we journey in this together. Okay. Alright, so we're going to back up again and just um, cover just a little bit of what we covered last night to get a foundation. 1 Corinthians 14. If you haven't spent time in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, I would encourage you to do that. That's where Paul talks about the gifts to the church in Corinth, and it's absolutely essential for us to be steeping ourselves in that, and, and as well as Acts, the book of Acts. Read through the book of Acts. Like if you're if you're wrestling with the gifts, or are they real, or are they not, or um, sitting in, in God's word is absolutely one of the best ways to do that, and also saying, you know, Lord, would you sh- open my eyes and show me what truth you have for me? So in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, Paul says this to the church in Corinth, but the one who prophesies speaks to people, For their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So in 12, he already introduced the concept of of prophesying as a gift of the Spirit. Literally, the Spirit of God gives that gift to people, and this is why. And in the New New Testament church era, I would say 90 plus percent of prophecy will fall into this camp of strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. I grew up with an understanding of prophecy being in in what I would call an Old Testament idea of prophecy, which was, and if a prophetic person shows up, you go the other way because condemnation is coming, right? They're going to read your mail, and they're going to tell you your sins, and they're going to tell you to repent. You're going to feel terrible, and then you're going to run out the door never to return again. But really, on the other side of the cross, the primary purpose of prophecy is to build up and edify the church. Okay? Inside the church and outside the church. And that's, that's it. That's the main thing. Um, there are rare occasions when the Lord will reveal the sin of somebody's heart to you. And when that happens, when and if that happens, tread very lightly with that. And that also doesn't mean that you're supposed to reveal those things to them in that point of time. That's when you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, what, what should I do with what you've shown me? Because sometimes the, the Lord shows you something to build compassion in you. Not just to lay out the issues of somebody. Does that make sense? Okay, I'll give you a quick story um, before we get into these words. There's a, there's a man named Graham Cook who's extremely prophetic. He's written several books and he tells a story about he was brought into a church and he was uh, doing a conference. And in between the conference, he was asked by the, the lead pastor to come and prophesy over the staff and bring encouragement to the staff team. And uh, Graham tells a story about how he was in that space. There were, I think he said, 10 staff members on the team. And he begins to go and speak over these staff members. Well, he gets to, to the, the associate pastor, the executive pastor, right under the senior pastor. And he sees, the Lord shows an, an image of this pastor literally stabbing the senior pastor in the back. And he knows right away what's going on. And he also knew, if I speak this out, it will destroy the staff team. It will rip it apart right now. And so instead what he did is he he almost like reverse engineered it. And he took the senior pastor and he had him stand up. And he had this executive guy stand back to back. And he prophesied over the executive guy. He said, your role and your job is to have his back. To encourage him, to support him, and to build him up. And later on, the executive pastor came to him and he to to Graham. And he said, you knew what was going on in my heart, didn't you? And he said, yeah, the Lord showed it to me. And Graham followed up later, six months later, and the man's heart had turned. He repented of the sin in his heart to really tear down the senior pastor out of ego and jealousy and wanting to take his place. And they became super close, and because of that, the ministry of the church thrived. But you need to be aware of of what the Lord speaks to you and how you hold that and how when you're early on, the Lord says things to you and He's gracious, He knows what you can handle, and usually it's the Lord says something to me, man, I, I let it out. And tonight will be more of that, of what we'll do. But you'll come to a place as you mature in your gift, in the prophetic gift, where you need to discern, Do I say this right now? Do I hold on to this? Lord what and take it back. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do with it. And and the Spirit will say, Hey, release that on, speak that truth, or no, hold that or The Lord shows that to you so that it can give you compassion for that person. So you can come alongside that person and disciple them or mentor them and encourage them. So when Paul says that that prophecy is for strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, those Greek words, the first one means to build a house, literally. Or to promote growth in. The literal translation is to build a structure. So one of the first main things that prophecy does is it builds a structure to which you can hold what God wants to do in your life. Does that make sense? So these words, literally spoken, the Lord gives gives a word to a person and that person speaks that into existence and it builds a structure for you in your heart to hold what God has to say to you. That's what the literal Greek word means. That's the first thing. The second thing is, means to call near, to summon, to encourage, and to comfort. So prophecy encourages, it draws you near to the heart of God and it reveals to you what the Lord wants to say to you, but in that it brings comfort, even if it's a word of correction. And that's one of the ways you know it's of the Lord. The Lord will speak a word of correction to you, but it will build you up. It might tear you down, but the end result is that it builds into you and you have more fullness of life. When the enemy does that to you, it's just purely to tear you down. And as we receive prophetic words and as we operate as a church that's open to that, we need to have a lens of discernment because we can't just take what everybody says and say, hey, that's, that's true, that's true, that's true. We got to do our own discernment, take those words back to the Lord and ask what the Lord is speaking to us. And then the third thing is to comfort, to bring hope and to stimulate and encourage and so so that, those are the main things that, that prophecy does in the church. I would say 90 plus percent of the time, that's what should be going on. And as you begin to open yourself up to the movement of God and the truth of God and begin to speak over other people, that's what you should see happening um, in your life. And the Lord will use you and honor that and continue to speak to you. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 9 and 10. We're just going to look at a, a piece of scripture, but I would encourage you to Go back and reread that text on, on your own and to and to go, if you weren't here last night, um, the podcast will be up. Give Lauren a couple days, you know, Wednesday maybe or so to uh, to put it up. But you can, Washington Church Toledo, on any kind of podcast platform, it'll be there and you can listen to it from last night and tonight and to, and to share that with others. So there's a story in, in 1 Samuel 9 and 10 and here's kind of the context of it. Um, Israel, the nation of Israel is transitioning from judges into a king for the first time. Okay, if you know the history, Lord brought them into the promised land. Lord put judges over them, and the whole time the desire of God was to be to be their person, to be their king. And God and the people said, "No, we want a king like all the, all the other nations." Whether that was a good thing was probably not, because because uh, and that's okay. And the Lord said, "All right, I'll give you a king," and He appointed a man named Saul. Okay, we've probably heard of Saul, and at that time. There was a prophet in the land. His name was Samuel. And Samuel was a prophet, functioned in the role of the prophet. The Lord would speak to him and tell him things and, he would, and the Lord would send him to people. And he would speak that truth into people's lives. And there's a story in which um, Saul goes and he loses his donkeys. He's a young guy at the time and he loses uh, donkeys that he's responsible for. And he goes in search with his servant and try to, tries to find these donkeys because, you know, donkeys are important and they're part of livelihood. Um, and he, he runs into—and somebody meets up with him and says, hey, you should go ask the prophet or the seer. The prophet or the seer will be able to tell you where these donkeys are. And so they go and search. Okay, where's this seer? Where's this prophet? Head down to the city. We, we last heard he was there. And so Saul and his servant go there and they come upon Samuel— And Samuel, the Lord has spoken to Samuel and told Samuel that Saul will be the next king, and he's to anoint Saul as king. And so this is the text out of 1 Samuel 10. I'll just read it to you so you can see. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you have when you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb. And again, Samuel is now prophesying over Saul at this moment. When you leave me today, you'll meet these uh, two men at Rachel's tomb. At at Zelzah, on the border of Benjamin, they will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Verse 3, then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats and another three loaves of bread and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. Verse five. After that, you will go to Gilbel of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with leers, timbrels and pipes and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So, what we're going to do is look at this text briefly and see what the Lord teaches us about the prophetic and what the prophetic can do in somebody's life, in somebody's world. Uh, And then depending on time, we'll talk about a couple other things. We'll go into a time of ministry. But the first thing that, that Samuel does is he prophesies about the destiny of Saul. He tells him he's going to become king. And prophecy does that. When the Lord speaks through a human being over somebody's life, it can tell what the Lord wants to do in your life in the future. It's powerful. The second thing is, he, he, uh, he tells him about his donkeys and his father. Okay, Saul's main concern is about the donkeys at first. What I love about this is that even in prophecy, the Lord speaks to us about the simple things of our lives. Because God cares about the little things as well. So God cares about the fact that donkeys were lost and that Saul doesn't need to about, worry about his donkeys. So the Lord might speak to us about simple things in our lives, but they might give a reassurance to us, an encouragement to us that enable us to hear more of what the Lord has to say to us. And then he tells him he's going to run into people and he's going to receive food and drink for his journey. The Lord's going to sustain you and give you what you need to do what the Lord's called you to do. And then the final thing that he says that I want to hover on, and Dave's going to share some stories about this, is he literally says to him, you're going to encounter a group of prophets and when you meet these prophets, they're going to prophesy over you, and you're going to be a changed person after that happens. And so, literally, the, the prophetic word changes a person's life to an extent where he says, literally, you will not be the same. And we shouldn't be surprised by that because we, when we have encounters with God, we shouldn't leave the same. God touches us in such a way, and we're transformed. Now, not every moment is like that. I wish it were. But sacred moments like tonight provide space for that to take place and to happen. So what, what are, you got an example you can tell us of a time you've prophetically spoken over
1: somebody and their lives changed radically, besides me? Um, yeah, I, I think I've told the Panera story here before, but I'm, I'm going to tell it because I think it's very applicable to this. Um, <clears throat> when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, I was radically on fire. I was... You know, just, you know, everything was, was Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we, we would, you know, pull people off the street, there'd be deliverance, there'd be healing, there'd be all this stuff. Um, But at the same time, I was reading, you know, I was still reading a bunch of books. I was um, trying to, trying to process the power of the voice of the Lord with some religious views of repetition and routines. Um, and so I would... Uh, um, do you guys ever hear of uh, Ray Comfort? Okay, well, there's a, there's a guy, Ray Cam- Ray, Kurt Cameron and, and Ray Comfort, um, they have this testifying process, this witnessing process, where they um, essentially uh, try to get people to admit they're a sinner, right? And when they admit, admit they're a sinner and they need Jesus... Um, they actually, you know, lead them, to lead people to Jesus. Well, a lot of it works, a lot of it doesn't work, um, because it's it's systematized. And what I mean by that is all they're all they're doing is is they're using scripture to reveal your sinner. Um, but there's, there's the, the connection piece with the spirit that doesn't often take place. And so me and, me and a friend, we were on fire and we were trying to make it routine. We were trying to make a process out of witnessing. And, and I mean, we're beating on doors. We're literally going through neighborhoods and beating on doors. And man, we had doors slammed in our face. We had a guy pull a pistol on us. We had all kinds of stuff. And we didn't have much fruit, okay? And I was, I was, I, I, I got mad, okay? Um, and I started asking the Lord questions. And he woke, he woke me up one day. Um, and he says, uh, I want you to go to Panera, Panera Bread for lunch, okay? This is uh, 2011, I think. Um, Panera was brand new, right? We, you know, Parkersburg, West Virginia had... Uh, a brand new Panera, and everybody in town was at Panera. Like the place was always packed, okay? So I walk in at lunchtime. I'm sitting in front of the fireplace on a couch, um, and I'm like, all right, Lord, what are we doing? And five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes goes by. All of a sudden, a girl walks in, like 20 something year old girl, early 20s. She walks in, and as soon as I look at her, the Lord shows me this very uh, distinct uh, vision, um, and uh, I'm like, okay, what what am I doing, right, and all of a sudden, she gets her food, she circles around, and she literally sits right behind me, okay, there's a table behind me, um, and I had been witnessing to a Church of Christ pastor, um, you know, a church of, church of Christ is zero Holy Spirit, and we had been having debates at, at lunch, like me and, me and Jimmy had... Um, <laughs> At the, at the beginning, discussion points and stuff, right? And so, um, not only is she there, um, but this Church of Christ pastor who I had been witnessing about the Holy Spirit to, um, and it was, it was really good. It was an open debate, right? Um, he was intrigued, and he kept coming back to me, but his theology wouldn't let him go deeper, right? And so, it was a setup on, on two levels. It was the girl and, and the pastor. And so I'm sitting there. So she was sitting with him. She was sitting with him. Okay. And the Lord, the Lord, not only did the Lord give me the vision for her, but he positioned me to hear the inside information. Okay. She was an intern at the Church of Christ. Um, She was a student um, at Ohio Valley Community College. um, I'm sorry, Ohio Valley College in um, uh, Parkersburg, West Virginia. It's a Church of Christ college um, and and so she was interning at a Church of Christ. So no Holy Spirit at the college either. There's zero Holy Spirit. There, there's literally okay. Or an openness. Holy Spirit's everywhere, but 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 a, a theology of we God doesn't speak today. Yeah. Right. That that type of thing. And so uh, so she starts to like l- literally um, puke on the table. Her anger. She's like she, she heard all the garbage going on behind the scenes in, in the office. Okay. And she was losing heart and actually saying, um, I don't think I'm going to continue my education. I don't want to work in a church. And at, at that moment, <laughs> the Lord said now, and I literally stood up, I turn around, I and the pastor was there. He knew me. I said, "Hey, man, how you doing?" And he was like, "What the heck are you doing here, <laughs> right?" And I turned to her. And I said, "Did you ever receive a prophecy?" And she says, "What's prophecy?" And it was a very simple prophecy that um, she was working in a greenhouse, um, and she had all these uh, plants, all these flowers um, that she would one day uh, cover the mountainside with, and her influence in the world through the power of Christ. Would have a supernatural impact on the world. She literally starts to shake. I mean, it what to me it wasn't like a super big prophecy. I've given a lot bigger prophecies to to you know really high level people and stuff. And anyway, I'm. Um, she starts to shake. She starts to cry. She's trembling. All of a sudden, she's face down in her salad. She she's crying in the middle of Panera, and it got it like at every 10 seconds, it like increased in the presence of the Lord. And it got to the point where everybody around is looking at this girl who's trembling and shaking and crying. Okay. And the pastor's looking at me like, what do we do? And I'm like, (laughs) well, we basically, um, you know, we try to get her, pull, pull herself together and, um, we take her outside and uh, the 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 Church of Christ pastor's like, um, all right. He goes, let's put her in my car, and I'll take her back to the campus, okay? So I help him get her into the car, um, and he goes, I'll call you because I have a ton of questions, yeah, right? <laughs> um, and so anyway, he he takes off, and I go back, I drive back to work, okay? And I'm I'm kind of like, you know, man, that was awesome, Lord, right? And I'm asking all kind of questions like. Wow, the power of one vision. Okay? And so, I, I, at the end of the day, I always, there was a gym, uh, Anytime Fitness, Parkersburg, West Virginia. I, wa- I walk into the gym, um, and there's a, a young guy that went to the church that I uh, go to, and he w- sees me walk in, and he starts screaming my name Cop, cop, David, get over here, get over here. And I walk over, and there's these two young men that are slumped up against the wall and they're, they're trembling and they're crying and <laughs> um, they're literally tre- shaking in the middle of the gym. And I'm looking and I look at him and I, and all of a sudden he goes, he goes, I knew it was you. I, and I, <laughs> and I, I, said, I said, he goes, um, he says, he goes, here's the story. Um, apparently there was a girl in in Panera today that was a student and uh, some guy named Dave gave a prophecy to her. He goes, that was you, wasn't it? I said, yeah, that was me. He goes, well, he goes, these two guys experienced what happened after Panera. okay?" And and, um, apparently the Church of Christ pastor took her back up, literally walked her into her dorm room. They laid her face down on the floor and she laid there face out in the middle of the dorm room, students started coming down the hall. Um, and the presence of God got so heavy in the room that as the students cross through the threshold of the door, they start falling on their face. Okay? Awesome. And so pretty soon the whole, the, the whole, um, hall, well, the whole hall, that floor was in her room, shaking and trembling in the presence of the Lord. Word gets out. The floors above, the floors below, everybody is flooding into the dorm because they're, they're, the word is there's a miracle happening and the presence of, of the Lord is is happen, like present. And everybody that would come into the dorm, the story is that when the when the room filled up, the hallway filled up with people laying on their face and shaking in the presence of the Lord. Okay, and uh, the two young men that were shaking and trembling in the gym. This is now six hours later. They're shaking and weeping and crying. They were in the hallway, in the dorm, when this all happened. Okay? And I don't know if you know anything about the Church of Christ, but everything about God being real, like God being speaking today is squashed, right? There are no miracles. That's, that's their theology. Okay? And so these young men are like, they're, they're literally, they, they would stand up and they'd look at me and they'd fall down and they're like, how, why, what is this? And, and I mean, the, all these questions about the Holy Spirit, they couldn't stop shaking. And um, anyway, it got so big that uh, the chancellor, whatever the guy over the whole school is, I mean, they started addressing it. This isn't real. They started teaching against it. This didn't happen. This isn't real. And yet all these students start coming to me, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, like weeping, crying, um, several, the, actually the one guy that was in the gym shaking and trembling, um, he actually quit the, the, the church of Christ school, went to Bethel, um, uh, became a pastor. He's now a pastor in Germany. Um, but there's all kinds of stories. There were so many people in that encounter that got totally changed and transformed, um, And so anyway, uh, you know, Wasn't there the, didn't the daughter of the chancellor come find you like a decade later? A decade later. I'm uh, so I'm preaching in Marietta, Ohio in, uh, 2019. Um, and I start, I start ministering and of course I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and stuff. Um, and we get to ministry time and all of a sudden this girl stands up and she goes, I just want to testify She goes, I wanted to come to see if you're real in front of everybody. She goes, I want to come see if you're real. She goes, I was, uh, my parents were part of the leadership at the college whenever the girl uh, and all that experience happened and they told us it wasn't real, it wasn't real, she goes, but I was there, I know it was real mm. and I've sought the Holy Spirit for 10 years mm. um, and all of a sudden... she was like 10 years old or something or Yeah, 12, she, like yes, that. yeah, and so now she's in her early 20s, she comes up, she gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, starts praying in tongues and the rest is history for her, it's but... going to be a problem at home when she... Yeah. Gets <laughs> she gets back. Yeah, yeah, but um, the point is, um, it all started mm-hmm. with me being zealous and trying to witness for Christ using a system. Mm-hmm. And I, the Lord taught me, you wait for me to tell you, mm-hmm. and, I, and when you do what I tell you to do, mm-hmm. what I can do through somebody who obeys what I'm sending them to do can shake a college, can mm-hmm. shake a city. Can set a church on fire, can, can send people to other nations and do things that are way beyond you, and that's the point of prophecy. Prophecy is not about simply just using a gift. It's actually tapping into the Holy Spirit so connected, in a, such a connected way that you actually know what the Lord wants to do, and you willingly make yourself vulnerable to do it. okay? That, that's what a witness is, okay. And that's the that's the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I'm speaking it into existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. L- literally, um, being vulnerable. You got to be vulnerable um, to use the gifts of the Spirit, right? You got. And for those of you who've never prophesied um, or never, you know, had a vision or dream, um, I mean, Jimmy's testimony is a is a testimony of not only did the Lord want to transition Jimmy, but obviously he 's got a plan for this this body to become supernatural and um, that dynamic is that 's the will of God hmm. that's not that 's not just Dave Cupt finding another pastor to minister to that was the Lord saying, now is the time i 'm going to awaken an army in Toledo yeah. amen yeah amen. One, one of the things that um, I remember when I first met David and
0: uh, I reached out to my to my roommate in college, who was back in California, who I went to that conference with, and, and I was telling him what I was learning and the experience I was having, and he said to me, he's like, oh, you gotta you gotta spend as much time as you can with him because he won't be there that long. And I was like, what are you what are you talking about? What do you mean? And uh, so what the the Lord does is is move you around, and yeah. and he David came to Toledo because the Lord told him to move his family and his wife and change jobs and come here to Toledo because to do the will of God, to do what the Lord showed you. And, and, uh, and you were here for two years, I think it was. And then yep. all of a sudden we were getting together and he's like, Jimmy, I'm having dreams about Florida. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I guess you're And, and then you he, he moved to Florida and, and actually the Lord has brought you back to yep. the Columbus area yep. um, in fulfillment of a dream he gave you back in 2018, which, yep. is, which is pretty wild. So, um, And that's not, that's not normal to see people who are so sold out for the Lord that literally they will uproot everything they have and go to wherever the Lord's calling him. And every time the Lord is taking you to a place, you've seen fruit from it. And the Lord continues to use you in, in profound and in powerful ways. So 1 Corinthians 14, 24, and 25, we're gonna shift into kind of um, a model of what, what happens when prophecy, what prophecy can look like in the church. Uh, and then I'm gonna co- cover a couple points of, you know, how do you vet prophetic words? Um, and then we're gonna shift into a time of prophecy. But let me ask, ask this question. How many of you who were here last night for the first time you kind of prophetically spoke over somebody? Raise your hand. For the, for the very first time? Or what do you mean? Well, I would say, I don't know if you want to hear this, but I've had prophetic dreams and yeah. definitely felt the Holy Spirit, but i prayed in tongues for the first time
1: yeah. after last night. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What's your name? Julie. Julie. What did that feel like? when you laid your hand on Aaron and the Lord showed you that vision (laughs) Um, were you encouraged you knew that he was revealing right yeah he was but it also almost felt like small because like it felt like God was working through me yeah so it was like
0: it's not about me and like I felt small but like what I was doing was big yeah Mm -hmm. pretty powerful huh yeah, little Julie was in front of the biggest guy in yeah. the room last night <laughs> at one point. Giant killer. She had her hand on her, his head and his heart, and all spoke this word, and it unlocked something huge in his life. And poor Aaron got wrecked several times last night. But it was, I think he's still crying. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> he, might be he might be. So First Corinthians 14, 24 and 25, I'll, I'll read this passage, and then, and then you can kind of... Um, go into to what is happening in the scene. And again, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he's teaching them about the gifts and how the gifts flow and, and work. He says this, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, in other words, you're, you're together like we are, and you're in a service, and you're worshiping the Lord, and apparently in those spaces, prophecy is supposed to be happening, is what it sounds like according to Paul. And, and they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What would you say about that passage and what do you pull out of there that we can learn from?
1: Yeah, I mean, I this is one of my mainstay scriptures. This this is actually the punchline of the gospel. Um, Paul, Paul is essentially saying here, you can try to witness on your own. You can say things like, Jesus is real, you know... Uh, things that uh, maybe become controversial with a non-believer, um, yeah, Jesus is real, maybe he's not real, all that kind of stuff. That Paul's actually saying the power of you being in a spiritual relationship with the Holy Spirit is that you—it's not you actually testifying; it's you actually witnessing Christ present. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a difference. You can you can testify. Uh, you know, I, I know all this, I'm, I had this st- stuff happen and all that stuff, but when you are actually witnessing Christ, he's, he's saying that what makes a non-believer truly believe is an encounter, mm. right? You are the carrier of Christ mm. who has the ability to release what the Lord is saying to that person, okay? And when you wrap your mind around the fact that... Um, the world is in need of, a, of an encounter. Um, when, when, and, and it goes with, with what I told you, the Panera story, right? The Lord said, don't try to do it through a system. Don't try to do it all these ways. Go to Panera, speak what I'm going to tell you to speak, and I'll shake a college, right? And so he's saying, he's saying, thus the secrets of their hearts will be revealed. So when you get a word of knowledge, you get um, a prophetic word for somebody it's not you who is trying to convince them. It is the Spirit of God actually bearing witness in their heart. And that's what causes a person to weep and cry. And like, what's, why am I shaking? Why am I trembling? Why, why, can't I, why can't I get up? I feel drunk. What is this? Right? And so it's actually, you're actually a gate for Christ to not only speak, but to be pre- like literally imparted on them. And when you wrap your mind around that, um, it actually makes witnessing easier. It, it actually makes witnessing um, easier from a perspective of my prayer life becomes important. I have to, I have to submit myself to the way of the spirit. The Lord will speak to me in dreams and visions. That's his promise to us. And the power is in the dream and the vision, mm-hmm. Right. The whole Panera story is that the power was in the, the vision that imparted heaven, not only to a girl, but to hundreds of students and had their lives changed. One vision. And it convinced me, man. It, it so convinced me mm-hmm. that my trust became in, like, this, this scripture became, it, it was so real. It was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I spend all this time trying to write my perspective of scripture and is it pre-trib post-trib mid-trib at the end of the day who cares what's key is what the Lord is sending you to do so that you can witness him present all that theological stuff and fear fear mongering and everything that all that stuff does it has it has no relevance when the Lord simplifies you to be so connected to him that you're sensitive and are willing to do what he sends you to do. Yeah, amen. Because that's where the power of the gospel is. You're not, you're not trying to convince them he's real. The Spirit of God is convincing them, right? They're shaking, they're weeping, they're crying. Yeah. Paul's actually saying the, the evidence of, of you testifying is the power, right? It's, it's the power revealing itself. Like all these things that happened last night with, with uh, prophesying to people... Most people ended up shaking, weeping, crying, deliverance, demons cast out of people, right?
0: Yeah. Right? Just another night. Right? Just another
1: night, right? <laughs> and, that, and, and that scripture, man, it, um, I had to ask myself about my own theological position of being a Christian versus the simplicity of how the Lord was leading me to what the gospel is. And it's, you receive the Holy Spirit, You learn to relate and and why the gift of tongues and um, all that is important in connection, connecting with the spirit, making it easier to connect with the spirit Um, and simply hear him and go do it. Hear hear what he's saying and go do it. And that's what makes an army. That's what makes you connected to the Lord, expecting what he's going to say, because you're important enough to be his witness. He called you to be his witness. And that, takes, that actually ch- transitions the pastor's role mm-hmm. from having to, trying to keep it alive, keep people entertain. I don't want to use the word entertainment because that's not what Jimmy does, but there are situations where the congregation doesn't know their role. Mm-hmm. And now that the Lord is actually pouring out His Spirit upon you guys, the role of leadership is actually, oh my gosh, we have 150 people that... Hear the Lord what's wh- where's the army going? Yeah. right? who's going to Walmart? who's doing the kids stuff down the street? who's going to the prison? right? And suddenly, your whole focus is not inside the wall. your focus becomes sending armies, right? my God, I 'm getting myself pumped up. it's about sending armies my, like literally, when you realize that three, four, five of you praying and interceding, and the Lord puts it on your heart that That prison is ours. Mm -hmm. That abortion clinic is ours. We're going to break the the power of evil and that abortion clinic. We're actually going to wait. And those women that get out of that car before they get in that door, the Lord is going to literally um, give us downloads and we're going to release a vision over those women that they will not they will literally turn around from that from, from from that door going into that abortion clinic because they felt the presence of the Lord and there's a purpose in their life, and not only is that woman saved, but her baby's saved. Mm. I mean, like when you start thinking about what's possible, because impossible doesn't matter to God. God, He's the God of the impossible, right? When you start thinking that with God, everything can be defeated, overcome, broken, like your whole mindset shifts, and it's about, you you actually step into purpose, And not simply be a church member. Although being a, being a member of a body is great. But when you realize you have a purpose, you actually spend your time with the Lord finding your purpose and are willing to die for your purpose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Purpose is, is one of the greatest um, desperations of the world. Yeah. Most people never find a purpose. They never really yeah. live. Yeah. They literally die void and empty. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and you can chase the Lord spiritually and find your purpose and you're willing to like give your life for your purpose. People ask me, they say, how how did you how did you spend like all these weeks and months in India flying back forth 30 hours? Um, and and literally I would preach from from eight, nine o'clock in the morning till one AM. I would I just you know wherever they took me, get you know I, like right now, I literally, um, I do my job during the week. I'm a global director. And on Friday, I fly to the, to the new city where I'm going. And and Sunday, when I go home, I start it all over again. People say, how do you do it? How do you, how, how do you have the energy? It's the grace of God. Mm-hmm. It literally is a gift because it, it burns in me. Mm-hmm. I gave my life to it yeah. because I love to see this. Yeah. I love to see people... It awakened to being um, members of an army that's a whole different perspective than just going to church and trying to get by yeah. amen. amen are you an army
0: amen. <laughs> so I told you we weren't going to talk that long I know we man
1: <laughs> we already
0: did that um, so we're going to transition into a time of ministry I, I have some outlines of you know rules, give or take, of how do you discern uh, prophetic words, I'm happy to send those things to you. Just email me or come find me and I'll make copies for you and we'll we'll, uh, save that for another time. But as we transition into ministry time, um, what we're going to do is just come before the Lord and we're going to just ready ourselves and we'll have a moment of silence. And and Lauren, if you play some music in the background, Um, and then we're going to begin to minister to people. And as we do that, the, the kind of flow that we're gonna operate in is, is the Lord's gonna highlight somebody and we're gonna bring them up to, to do ministry with them. But before we do that, we're gonna, we're gonna invite everybody to come before the Lord and, and ask that question. Lord, what do, you, what do you wanna say to them? How do you wanna use me tonight? So the Lord's gonna use you tonight. And this is gonna be a training ground for um, being, listening to the Lord. And, and the Lord might speak to you with an image. He might give you a word. He might give you whatever it is. And what I would encourage you to do is do not be afraid. When something burns inside of you, if this has never happened to you before, trust that movement of God in you. And David's, David does a beautiful job of, of, he'll work with you and he'll help you through that process. You don't have to, to worry about it. What you need to do is get over what, worrying about what other people think and just allow the Lord to, to, uh, to move in and, and your life and to speak through you. Um, and we're just going to let the Spirit of God move, and, and we're going to kind of go where, where we go, and, um, and the rest will take care of itself. Amen. Okay. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.